uh, from Morecambe to Mexico. I'm delighted to say that John Bonfilio <laughs> is now on the line, our man in Mexico, with his stories from the continent. John, a very good morning to you. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm glad we got around those technical difficulties. Um, I'm really intrigued uh, by our first story, um, Medellin in Colombia. Uh, I'm told it was uh, not a place I've heard of, but I'm reliably informed it was one of the world's most dangerous cities, synonymous with cartels. And yet in the last 10 years, a lick of paint, to put it mildly, and uh, it's all changed. Yeah, absolutely. 30 years ago, it was one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous cities on earth, synonymous with the Medellin cartel. Everybody knows of Pablo Escobar, even if they don't, they don't know specifically of, of Medellin, and they yeah. had a stranglehold on, a stranglehold on power in the 70s and the 80s there. But because of that crisis and the, the massively low point that the city reached in the 90s and in the early 2000s, the, the powers that be, the authorities, decided that they needed to, to make a full, you know, structural, um, existential change to, to everything about the city and get rid of cocaine, and in particularly in particular, addressed social exclusion in, in what is Colombia's second biggest city and absolutely transformed it in terms of transport, culture, urban setting, uh, technology. I mean, it's won awards left, right, and center. It's probably Latin America's most um, awarded and lauded city over the course of the last 20 years. And now they're going um, to either to be um, the first ecosystem city in the region. So, you know, for sure, regionally, one of the really big news stories in terms of uh, what has been an, a, a fundamental transformation over the course of the last generation. It is incredible. I mean, people talk about New York and how that was, uh, you know, totally turned around in the 1970s. There was all the corrupt police officers, all the crime, and now it's one of the go-to destinations in the world. And um, it, it is incredible when you see cities, and, uh, I, you know, Colombia are a totally different proposition entirely in terms of the crime and the uh, links with the cartel and that type of thing. They've really worked hard to change this image, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the really interesting things about Medellin, I think, is that they basically focused it on social exclusion yeah. and social movement and the fabric of the city. So they decided that one of the first things that they needed to do was to be able to get the poorest citizens in the city to actually access all the best things about the city. So it actually continues to be the only city in Colombia that has a functioning metro system that they're very proud of and, and, and added to those those kind of planning processes for, for improved transport and uh, planning over the course of the next 10 years to, to extend their bike lanes and a bike share system by another 50%. And it's already like a significant uh, bike share system and, and cycle lanes that exist at, uh, across, the, across the city and double transport lines that are due to be fully electric by, by 2030. So it's one of those things about that particular city that um, which goes against the grain in terms of most international cities these days, is about making everything available to all its citizens for free. And, that, and that's an absolutely fantastic sentiment. We're in conversation with John Bonfilio, our man in Mexico, here on Talk Sport and Talk Radio. And, and John, um, I, I think... Just on the, on the, uh, the kind of crime factor, you get bus tours in New Jersey and LA and people want to see crime scenes. You mentioned yourself, uh, Escobar and, and that type of thing and the, 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 the kind of glamorous side of it that's played out on TV and in film. It, it, does that world exist in, in Medellin? Is, is, is there a, a market for, for tourists that actually want to see a, a version of that and with their cameras and, uh, and their pictures and that type of thing? Very much so. The famous, notorious Hacienda Napolis, that was Pablo Escobar's uh, big thinker there, where you know everything began uh, and ended, is still its most visited 
uh, tourist destination and really peculiar, not just because of the, the place of the destination itself, but the, the kind of the repercussions of what, what's taken place as a result of that over the course of the last 20 to 30 years. So one of the more peculiar things uh, there, which we've actually mentioned on Martin's show in the past, is that Pablo Escobar had a thing for hippos. So he actually imported uh, a few hippos to the Hacienda Napoles whilst he was there, uh, swanning around in the 70s and 80s. And those hippos, uh, when he was killed, were then released into the wild and have since reproduced. Right. And they are now a major problem in the in the whole area. Yeah, so, so Pablo Escobar's legacy is not just in terms of the social fabric, you know, the cartels and, and the drug tra- trafficking and the cocaine of the area. It goes much, much further and continues to be, you know, even though the city's transformed itself, it continues to be a significant, unavoidable legacy of Antioquia, of the, of the, uh, of the area that Medellin is in. So just on the hippo thing, does that mean if you're driving around the city that there'll be like warning signs with pictures of hippos on in the same way you'll get like in deer <laughs> in this country? You know, is it, you don't drive too fast or you might get the side of your key sports arch staved in by a hippo. Um, I mean, it's not quite that, but it is actually interesting that, that one of the things that's been suggested is that because obviously the, the hippo is not endemic to, to the region, so that they need to be culled and removed. But actually, the population of Medellin and the surrounding area have now absolutely taken the hippos in and fallen in love with them and, part, and winning the hearts and minds of those people in terms of exterminating the hippos, which, as you can imagine, is no straightforward thing anyway with the given size of the, of the hippos in the wild. But yeah, the, the, the biologists um, actually recognize now that the biggest problem towards dealing with the hippo problem is not the hippos, it's the people that have decided that the hippos belong to them. Well, we saw this in this country earlier this week. There was uh, one certain alpaca which made the headlines, which we'll be going into a little bit later mm-hmm. on here on Talk Sport and Talk Radio. Uh, just uh, very quickly, um, the Am- River Amazon, we, we've been seeing the scenes in New York and north, further north than where you are at the moment and the floods. Uh, but the Amazon, it's the total opposite, a major drought. It's a funny world we live in, isn't it? It's too much of it one end of the world and not enough water elsewhere. It is systems. I mean, you, you, can, you can basically go to the middle of nowhere these days, the middle of the Amazon, or even people who've not heard of climate change per se will tell you that traditional systems, traditional weather patterns and systems are completely up to start. And there's been a drought in the Amazon um, now for the last few uh, few years, record fires uh, taking place there now as well, and also the second biggest river in, in South America, the, the Barana, which doesn't get nearly as much coverage as the Amazon does, um, which is 5,000 kilometers long, about 3,000 miles, spans Brazil, uh, Paraguay and, and Argentina is now undergoing a century, uh, once in a century crisis in terms of its drought, which is affecting absolutely everything. I mean, you've got these um, horrendous dystopic photos and videos of, a bit like the Aral Sea in Russia, you know, we used to see about 20 years ago, where suddenly yeah. there's no water left and you've got these massive container ships basically sat on their side, you know, on the side of the river with the, the through flow of water reducing by two thirds over the course of the last uh, yeah, so, but, you know, I'd say it was unprecedented if we didn't already know that it was happening and it hadn't been touted for a while, but, but for sure these, you know, these changing um, systems and, and climate emergencies are very much being felt at this end of things. John Bonfilio, our man in Mexico with the stories from the continent, thank you for your time this morning. We'd have loved to have spoken to you for a little bit longer, but sadly time has got the better of us. Benny Renlock's been in touch. Thank you.